When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Coming to you from inside, I, I can't ever pronounce it, Acrisure Stadium, uh, Heinz Field, let's, let's be honest here. The, the Buffalo Bills, uh, really surprising game here tonight. They lose 27-15. to 15. The story is not fully told in the final uh, score. Uh, go down 14 to nothing. Uh, in the first quarter, seven offensive plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 60-yard touchdown run, and then a 25-yard uh, Kenny Pickett touchdown pass. He was feeling it, Ryan. He was walking off the field, uh, doing the Connor McGregor, if you will. It was a, a shocking first quarter, first half. We're going to break it all down here right uh, on the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. With over 30 ready-to-grill burgers, Tops is the place to pick out the juiciest, most delicious burgers in town. From beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger, Tops World of Burgers, yours to explore. And we are going to explore this game, Ryan. Yeah, listen, if the, if the Bills were a burger tonight, they would have been a turd burger. I mean, that was just unbelievably <laughs> bad, Perino. Uh, and I get it. Preseason games don't really matter at, at the end of the day. But one team showed up to play tonight and one did not. Exactly. And, you know, I texted you a list of, okay, what, where do we start in terms of what's the most concerning thing that we saw on the field tonight? And I, I, I got to be honest with you, Ryan, like, we're going to get to the offensive line, but to me, the way the defense came out and was completely overwhelmed by the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, which, listen, they got some pieces, right? They're building this thing up. Kenny Pickett uh, in his second year, uh, they got a good running back. George Pickens is one of the most exciting young wide receivers in the league, but the way that it happened, and I, I, I actually asked Sean McDermott about Tyrell Dotson. I said, what was your assessment of his play tonight? And, you know, he said, listen, you know, we got to be better there. And he brought up the 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 60 yard touchdown run as one where they the line failed at the point of attack. I tweeted it out. I believe it was Puna Ford and Tim Settle who was in on the play. Ford kind of got tackled from behind by Tim Settle, who um, uh, kind of fell forward. Uh, And then all of a sudden he's at the second level, the running back. Nowhere to be found are either of the linebackers. And then, you know, Jordan Poyer is the last line of defense. He couldn't find a decent angle on the play. And it almost felt like it was like downhill from there. Like the Bills couldn't, you know, get their footing, couldn't establish any type of um, 
you know, consistency offensively or defensively. Yeah. And, and when it comes to concerns, I have middle linebacker at number two on my list, but it, it's definitely something to be worried about, Matt. You know, Tyrell Dotson tonight may have gone from presumed starter to uh, finding himself no longer in that role. And what I mean by that is he was still in the game in the fourth quarter, uh, playing late into what is generally a meaningless game. I think that's a, a big red flag. But the problem for the Bills is, if it's not going to be Dodson at middle linebacker, and I'm, you know maybe that's still where they end up going, who will it be? Balen Specter was eliminated from the competition by all means, and he really isn't getting much run with this defense. Terrell Bernard is still uh, dealing with a hamstring injury. Yes, you could throw him in when he returns and is healthy, but he's missed two games now uh, in the preseason. And then you have A.J. Klein, who had a really nice practice coming into this game, uh, made a few you know plays here and there, but he's someone that is – well out of his prime, lost a step or two, not someone that you want to be uh, having on the field if, if there's going to be going against any kind of adequate quarterback play because you're going to look at Klein and point him out as an absolute mismatch and, and try to create those kind of matchups on the field against him. So, you know, of the candidates there, none of them really stand out as being great. Dorian Williams had another nice preseason game, but the Bills have kind of flip-flopped what they want to do with him too in terms of he's an outside linebacker, we'll play him in the middle, he's outside uh, if they're going to move him to the middle linebacker, I think they have to do it pretty soon to get him some live reps to give him a legitimate chance to take over that job at some point in the season. I mean, at this point, like, you know, when Sean was talking about Dotson, I mentioned it. He did bring up the fact that he thought both him and Klein commanded the huddle, did some good things pre-snap, all the kind of things that Sean has kind of emphasized when it comes to the middle linebacker competition. But at, the, at some point, it's going to come down to the ability to make plays. And I the thing that we're seeing here is that for as much heat as um, Tremaine Edmonds took for all those seasons, his versatility, his presence out there after the snap was just as important with what he was doing before the snap, getting everybody lined up and just being that force that I almost felt like Edmonds to me. And I said this last year as we were kind of building to the eventuality of him leaving in free agency was what what's great about Edmonds is that it's not so much the plays that he makes, but it's the plays that defenses don't even or offenses don't even try to make when he's out there. With his, without him out there now, I almost wonder if that might impact Matt Milano a little bit because I just want to whisper this, but I just I, Matt Milano had a couple moments today where you know in coverage on the touchdown, I got to go back and watch it again. I didn't get a good replay. We probably got to look uh, at the rewatch and we'll get more into this. I thought that he was a little bit out of position and now that might've been him trying to cover up for maybe a deficiency from Dotson. I, I got to look at it a little bit closer, but I really can't say you can pinpoint one person in the first team offense or defense that played well tonight. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to do that, Matt. And you know, in the case of Milano, I think a lot of these starting defenders are going to be missing Tremaine Edmonds because of his sheer size and wingspan. He took a lot of portions of the field uh, away from the opposing teams. And now you don't have someone with that kind of stature, someone that can 
uh, take away, you know, the, the same things just with his sheer size and wingspan alone. So it, it's a concern. It's something where I think teams are going to try to exploit the middle of this defense. And until the Bills come up with an answer of how to stop it, uh, teams will just kind of keep replicating this. And, and, you know, Sean McDermott has a lot of problems on his hands if this is the way that the Bills are going to play in meaningful games. But definitely linebackers near the top of their most concerning positions here after the second preseason game. Let's get to the other concerning position because I thought it was just a, a game that you want to forget if you're Deion Dawkins or Spencer Brown. Just one of those games. And to Deion Dawkins' credit, I mean, he stood at his locker, answered every question that was asked, and that's the, the kind of guy that he is. That's that's who I've kind of come to expect him to be. But I'll be honest. I mean, I, I was watching that game just like everybody else. It wasn't good on the left side tonight. Like, there was a couple of breakdowns in protection. Now, let's let's – also be honest with Alex Highsmith being one of the most exciting young pass rushers in the NFL. And I, I think that's a really tough test. And, you know, Deion Dawkins, uh, uh, did, did he play against the, he did play. This is his second preseason game, right? He played last week yes. against the Colts. So it's not, you don't even really have that excuse, something where, you know, you're going out there for the first time and scraping off some of the rust. Like I thought that I've, I've thought that Deion Dawkins has been pretty solid throughout training camp. Uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, looking at this offensive line and where things, you know, fell apart last year for them at times, I just thought Deion Dawkins wasn't as good as he was the year before. And, you know, that to me was baked into why I thought this the offensive line had a chance to be better, because if he raises his level of play, there's more consistency next to him with Connor McGovern. Honestly, I thought McGovern was maybe the worst of the interior offensive linemen tonight. I thought Osiris Torrance was the lone bright spot. I mean, you, you pretty much know what you're going to get out of Mitch Morris, but I thought Torrance didn't look overmatched. He looked competent. He looked like he understood his assignments and, and what he was being asked to do. Uh, we'll get more from Sean on that tomorrow. But I, I thought over the first two series, as the Bills kind of struggled offensively, kind of got things going on that second series before the Spencer Brown um, penalty cost them that unbelievable 50-yard dart to Gabe Davis. Big, big day for Gabe Davis as well. I thought Osiris Torrance was the best offensive lineman on the field for the Bills, which leads me to wonder, you know, as an aside to this conversation about Spencer Brown and Deion Dawkins that we can get into because we got to get into the Tommy Doyle stuff too. Has Osiris Torrance locked up RG1? I think he has, Matt. I think now back-to-back preseason games where he's held his own as the starter, uh, I, I, you know, against a really good defensive line today, mind you. I think that he has listen, locked up. listen, listen. I got to tell you right now, I'm wearing headphones. You are coming in hot, my friend. Oh, boy. It, it, yeah, dude, like you are coming in. Like, I, I feel like you're the voice of God, like coming into this thing and really just taking over the podcast. Like it is a powerful voice. It is ringing around Acrisure Stadium right now. It's amazing. People are kind of like looking over and peering over at me. No, just I feel I feel like just hold the mic like this far away from you, maybe. Okay. I, I have there it is. Okay, That's I've perfect. turned the volume down. I've moved it away, so uh, we'll try to keep it at a safe distance here. But yeah, listen, I think he has locked down the right guard job at this point in time, Matt. This is two preseason games where he started for the team, two preseason games where he's held the zone, not just as a run blocker, but in pass protection. Uh, you know, I, I think that you can kind of close the door on this competition, whereas the others that we... Uh, have been monitoring going into this game are still kind of ongoing, although I think we're getting closer to a cornerback two resolution as well. 
but it's concerning that a rookie is your best offensive lineman tonight and most consistent offensive lineman. And that leads me to offensive tackle is my biggest concern uh, after tonight. You know, Spencer Brown, Deion Dawkins, I thought they had a fine training camp, but uh, against an elite defensive line tonight, they both struggled. Deion Dawkins was getting beaten uh, pretty regularly early on in this game. Spencer Brown with two costly penalties in this game. Uh, it's not what you want to see knowing that you have the New York Jets and an elite defensive line of their own coming, you know, going to them in week one and that you have to play a team like that. These two guys need to step up because the tackle position's already taken a hit going into this game or before this game with Brandon Shell retiring. You lost a viable swing tackle option. You lose Tommy Doyle tonight to, uh, you know, what appears to be a serious injury we'll wait wait and see and hear more about the severity of it uh but it's just one of those things where i'm really concerned it's it's i'm not sure what you do matt at the tackle position you know you have jason peters out there who's 40 plus years old you know is he as old as you are matt i I know you have a birthday coming up here pretty soon you and you and jason peters are pretty close in age no, uh, Matt has a birthday here in about 40 minutes from now. So uh, I think they're neck and neck in age, but it, there's no ideal options out there at tackle. It, it's just the bills don't have much in-house right now either. Right. And, you know, Sarah brings up Ryan Vandemark and, you know, I, from what I saw tonight, I'm going to have to go back and, and look at it a little bit closer. You know, he did look pretty solid at left tackle. And that's something that isn't surprising. He's looked pretty good there in the past. Now, he's played predominantly against second and third team defensive linemen. There's a big difference between going against Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt from what they have, uh, you know, beyond that. Uh, so that's definitely a point. Listen, I don't I don't necessarily know that Jason Peters is the fix-all situation that I think most people want him to be. You know, it's only going to be – it reminds me a lot of Ty Inseki, who came over here a couple of years ago, and not, he was obviously not even that old. But, I mean, Jason Peters is, of course, a med- like a medical marvel to be able to play in the NFL at his age and as consistently as he did a year ago. But, you know, he hasn't been in any training camps. He wants to play another year. He's a veteran, so I don't know if he needs a lot of – like ramp up but at the same time like sure go out and get him bring him in as as some type of depth piece a swing tackle uh i don't know if you're you're feeling comfortable with the trio of vandemark as as good as he's looked at left tackle at times questenberry and richard garage who again i gotta go and, and look a little bit more at this too. He didn't like super stand out to me. And and sometimes that's a good thing for an offensive lineman. Nothing happened. Uh, it was a really rough night for Matt Barkley. Uh, I believe it was four turnovers in total. Uh, Sean McDermott said that the quarterback two competition is still ongoing. And listen, I thought for a while there before things really went south for Barkley, he looked pretty good. I mean, he was, he was making throws on schedule. He was getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He was hitting guys in stride. And then, it, you know, he threw that ball over the middle. It was tipped up and intercepted, and it all went downhill from there. Um, but, yeah, offensive line, to your point, I, I think it's it's a concern because it concerns Josh Allen. So that's why I, I'd, I'd probably inch it, like you do, to the top of the list. But however you have it, between middle linebacker and offensive line tackle, however you want to, you know, frame it, it's 1A, 1B, and it's a situation now where – you're at a point of the season and, you know, Sean McDermott today, listening to him talk, he was obviously very frustrated They're, you know, coming off of a performance like that, where it was just, you know, 
He said he called it that the, the penalties that they they racked up completely unacceptable. He thought that they had figured some things out during the week of practice because you know guys were making mistakes. They were taking pre snap penalties. He was pulling them out and then bringing them, you know, coaching them up and putting them back in again. He thought that that would do the trick, but obviously he said he's got to go back to the drawing board to figure it out. And I, at middle linebacker, what are your options? Are, are we sitting here now on August nineteenth as a as the, as the Bills community waits and hopes for a Terrell Bernard to come back, a guy that was as polarizing as anybody before the injury, I don't necessarily know that there's some savior, even going out and like, you know, going out and trading for somebody to, to put that person into this position at this stage of the game. There's a lot of challenges that face this organization for finding an answer at that spot. And I think what we're learning is it's going to be tough to fill Tremaine Edmonds shoes. Yeah, big time. And, you know, when it comes to the linebacker position, middle linebacker, the one thing I'll say is if the defensive line is better this year, if the secondary returns to form, if Milano is Milano, the strength of the parts might be able to kind of take away from the weakness of that middle linebacker spot. Obviously, the play calls on defense tonight were pretty vanilla. They weren't using... Uh, they weren't being overly aggressive. They weren't blitzing much. They weren't probably giving actual looks that they'll give in, in regular season games. Uh, so that might have been a part of why uh, the Steelers had so much early success tonight. But, you know, you, you have to pinpoint some of this on the coaching staff in terms of the uh, problems here, filling some of these starting jobs this late in the season, having these competitions ongoing, but more so with the undisciplined play. And that leads us to a super chat that we had here pre-show from our friend Michael. Uh, he had the super chat in a separate message, but his question was, I'm a huge fan and very supportive, but is this coaching? Some of it has to fall on the coaching staff, in my opinion, Matt. You, you don't have 12 first half penalties and, and blame them all on the players. There's something that you know, this coaching staff needs to be doing better to clean up those pre-snap penalties. And you mentioned McDermott saying he pulled guys at practice and, and tried to coach them up. That's clearly not enough. So, you know, he, he uses the term, go back to the drawing board. This coaching staff needs to go back to the drawing board and figure out where are these problems coming from? How do they eliminate them? Because in a regular season game, if they give up 12 penalties in a one half, they're going to be hard pressed to win that game. And obviously the regular season games obviously matter. Yeah. And I think it's a situation where, you know, there was always going to be a little bit of a learning curve for what Sean McDermott is attempting to do, like calling the defense and, and managing the head coaching duties. However you end up, prioritizing or, you know, divvying out the responsibilities that come with game management. You know, there's going to be pieces to that. And listen, the continuity that's existed in this defense, you know, not just Edmonds, but having Leslie Frazier as that guy and having um, Sean McDermott be, be able to be kind of the CEO of the whole team and kind of peer in on both groups that that dynamic doesn't exist anymore. So there, it's almost like you're starting from scratch with how you operate as a team. Like, and I think that to me is the part of this that's really important. And, you know, talking to Micah Hyde at his uh, locker uh, for a few moments after the game too, it's like, there's no panic here. I mean, this is, this is something that they they've been here before. They got to make adjustments. And, and that's what this time of the year is for. And it's probably why Sean McDermott was as eager as he was to play starters to kind of, provide that reality check. And that's something that Deion Dawkins said as well. It's like, listen, if you think you're going to go out there and win every week, just because you're a good team, 
this is the kind of reality check you're going to get in this league because everybody's coming for the Bills. Like, in the league, maybe the national narrative is, you know, that they've, you know, that they're not going to be as good or they missed their opportunity. But within the league, I feel like teams know exactly what they're facing when they face the Bills. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers came out to really, you know, step on the neck tonight. And, and they did that with the way they played in the first quarter. Yeah. And listen, they have a lot of young, talented players, and that's going to be a good confidence boost uh, for a team that's in arguably the toughest division in the NFL. I know a lot of people believe the AFC East, the toughest division, and it may end up being that way. But, you know, Pittsburgh's division is four deep in terms of talented rosters and to come into a preseason game and put together two drives the way that they did get the big run from Warren, get that 25 yard touchdown pass from Pickett right after uh, getting the ball back. It, it, it's going to do wonders for this team's confidence and, and yes, a meaningless game in terms of wins and losses. But for a young team like that, like you said, they wanted to come out and make a statement tonight and they did that. And that's going to be something big for them as they go into a regular season where I believe they start with the 49ers at home uh, and they, you know, they have a pretty tough slate of games. So the, the, the faster they can hit the ground running uh, against some of these better teams, you know, the, the better off they're going to be. And tonight was a good statement for them. The, the interesting thing is, and, and Kyle, one of our regulars here in the chat, uh, who, who who's who's commenting through it right now, he's kind of going through it after this game. And I get it. Like watching your team with Super Bowl aspirations lose in the manner that they lost and the way that the first team looked on both sides of the ball, it's frustrating. And he said, listen, this is a horrible matchup coming up in a couple weeks against the Jets. Like, you want to talk about a defensive line? Go watch Hard Knocks right now. Quinnen Williams looks like he's ready to come out and absolutely destroy the entire league. And that's where you start. And listen, Osiris Torrance looked pretty good tonight, and he's one of the bright spots that we're going to talk about, but it gets harder. And, you know, I, I tweeted, you know, one of the guys that really stood out to me watching Hard Knocks is Will McDonald, the fourth. I mean, the dude looks like the real deal, super athletic, bendy type of guy. I think he had a sack coming off of the right edge. You know, Deion Dawkins is going to be facing a similar type of young pass rusher in in him in a couple weeks and man that is uh it, it's a challenging uh situation but I do think they have time to get right you know and and that's the thing like you don't want to overreact to the preseason you know you, you're not game planning for teams and you come out here and one-on-one -on -one, you lose some matchups I mean you know Deion Dawkins said it I mean if, it, if it's a reality check for the Bills it's a reality check for for Deion Dawkins too and that might be something that catapults him into a huge performance in week one when they're really going to need him to protect against that deep, that Jets front yeah listen if this Bills O-line can hold up against a, a Jets D-line that is honestly too deep in terms of uh, defensive end defensive tackle positions then they deserve to kind of run their mouths and talk up their game and you know talk about bouncing back after a preseason performance like tonight but it, it's one thing to say it it's another thing to do it so uh, you know, some of these Bills players need to take a hard look in, in the mirror at tackle Doc and Spencer Brown, figure out how to work on their technique to make sure they're not taking costly penalties to make sure they're not getting uh, beaten around the outside right off of the snap and putting your quarterback in a, a position where once again, he has to take off running before he has a chance to even really scan the field. Josh Allen's an elite quarterback, but you can't keep putting this on him to make Superman type plays over and over again, where he's also scrambling and running for his life uh, over and over again. So the offensive line is going to have a huge factor in the success of this team. And it's going to start in week one. 
Um, if you want to have um, an amazing end of the summer treat, quench your thirst for savings over at Tops. Get five dollars in cool cash. Get one point for every dollar you spend on the brands uh, that you love: Mountain Dew, Pepsi, Polar, Gold Peak, Gatorade, Tim Hortons. You name it. Uh, now until September 2nd, every 35 points is equal to $5 in cool cash. Ask your cashier to redeem your points for a coupon offer your next shopping trip. Trip. All right. It's not all doom and gloom here, Ryan, on this post uh, preseason game episode. I want to talk a little bit about Dalton Kincaid because what I think we saw today was exactly what I think we've been seeing all summer, right? Like the consistency in that short to intermediate area, the reliable hands, the ability to catch the ball, get upfield, turn a six, seven yard pass into a 12, 13 yard gain. And listen, you're, you're continuing to build trust if you're Dalton Kincaid. And, you know, I, I thought Gabe Davis had a really nice game. You know, I got to ask him about it at some point, like just his catching mechanics, because every time in that short intermediate area for game, he's he's kind of got that like gator chomp with the way that he kind of like catches the ball. It's interesting, but he he caught everything thrown his way today and he made a spectacular play on the sideline that was kind of uh, nicks for the, the Spencer Brown uh, penalty. But I thought Dalton Kikade to me to me, the biggest winner from tonight offensively. And if you're Josh Allen, you're just like, you're super excited to get into the games and get a chance to really utilize him to throw defenses um, off balance. You know, Dawson Knox didn't play tonight. He's dealing with a little minor uh, uh, finger injury. He's listed as day to day. So that gave the opportunity to Dalton Kincaid to be out there. I mean, I'm actually interested to go back and watch and see how he looked in some of those blocking situations. Cause he was asked to do that quite a bit tonight. Yeah, listen, Dalton Kincaid was a big winner for the team, obviously, from a uh, pass-catching perspective. But, you know, if if the Bills fans are watching, you get to see the utilization of Dalton Kincaid tonight. Yes, there were some 12 personnel, two tight end sets, but there are also a lot of sets where they had the four wide receivers on on the field and you had Kincaid lined up in the slot and you got to see how he could exploit mismatches in that way, Uh, getting open in the middle of the field and then picking up yards after the catch. He was a... Big bright spot on this offense, along with, as you mentioned, Gabe Davis, who uh, had that monster 35-yard reception taken away on a pass that flew, went over 50 yards based on where Allen threw it. Uh, he had another nice game, too. But Kincaid, obviously, was someone that in, in the first preseason game didn't get any targets, and you, you were wondering, well, maybe the Bills are doing that uh, on purpose. They're not trying to show their hand. But tonight you, you got a good idea of what he can do for an offense in terms of moving the ball, uh, utilizing the middle of the field, creating those mismatches that they haven't been able to have there in some time. So definitely a great night for Kincaid. Um, looking at some of the other offensive performances, uh, you know, obviously Andy Isabella, not probably as a big of a night as the Isabella hive was hoping for. He had the one catch for 19 yards that I thought was a really nice play, uh, on that. He had a couple, uh, return opportunities, nothing really special that stood out. We had actually one, uh, question in our subtext earlier today, shout Buffalo Bills insider text group about the returns that all of the returners kept running it back. And we talked about it um, and, and not utilizing the new rule where you can down it and take it at 25. Ryan, there's a competition going on. I think they got to go out there and show their stuff in the preseason. 
Yeah, shout out to our uh, subtext insider there, Elizabeth Gamble, I believe is the one that asked the question. And the Bills can put up a hand for a fair catch and, and get the ball to 25. But like Matt said, you know, you're trying to figure out roster spots here and you're trying to see how this team looks in terms of returning the ball. Now they had a penalty on one of their first returns tonight where that backed them up. And, you know, you get enough of those early on in the regular season. And before you know it, the, the Bills might be doing that fair catch signal every single time rather than risk being backed up to start the year. But that's the main reason why they didn't uh, fair catch them tonight. As for Isabella, Matt, the Bills seem to be, and this is just my opinion, trying to find a path for him to make the 53-man roster. And, you know, you mentioned the 19-yard catch tonight. One thing that caught my eye is he was with the first team as a gunner tonight on special teams. And that's not something that he really had much experience doing before this, to my knowledge. So if you're putting him in the mix there, you know, you're, you're pretty much saying, well, he can do this on special teams, both as a return man and also be our gunner. We can have him as our wide receiver six or seven and, you know, very similar skill set to Deontay Hardy if he goes down. This doesn't mean he's going to make the roster, but it was just something where I said, hmm, it, it sure seems like the Bills are trying to find a way to maybe sneak Isabella onto that 53. The thing that's super interesting to me about that is uh, I believe it was our good friend Joe uh, Marino that pointed this out. Um, on, on one punt, it was uh, Shorter and Isabella that were, uh, at, were in at Gunner. And to me, that might be like a, a competition in and of itself, right? And then you obviously throw the Khalil Shakir factor into this whole thing. And that's a conversation I want to have maybe a little bit right now uh, that we could have as well. But I wanted to mention Shorter before we get there. Catches the huge touchdown, which I feel like is a huge confidence builder for him late in the game. And when Sean McDermott talks about the fight in the team it, it, late in the fourth quarter to hang around and continue to play, you know, that's a big time play for Justin Shorter. You know, nothing super spectacular. I mean, a throw over the middle, found a little bit of a gap in the defense, makes the catch, but you still got to make the catch. You still got to make the play, you know, arrow way up for Shorter. And we know what he can do as. Uh, potentially a gunner with his size, his speed, his athleticism. So, yeah, how they do all of that is interesting. But I still think in the end, and we can talk about Shakir in a second, Isabella probably ends up on the practice squad for me. Yeah, and, and that's fair. If, unless they carry seven receivers, Isabella is still far from a lock, in my opinion. Shorter, just like we talked about Kincaid, didn't have any catches in the first preseason game, shows up tonight, has a really nice performance. Some of these young players, these rookies in, in draft picks had a nice night. Uh, Jordan Mims, a UDFA, had a nice night for them, a touchdown run, broke a 14-yard rush at one point, looked good coming out of the backfield. You know, players like that too kind of fly under the radar, but here we are after the second preseason game. And, you know, you know what you have in James Cook. Uh, you love what Latavius Murray brings. You you want to have Damian Harris as that short yardage, uh, goal line type back and give him a few regular carries, but he's dealing with a knee soreness. So, you know, those are the guys that I anticipate making the 53 man roster, but a guy like Mims it playing well is going to give himself a chance to land on this practice squad. And then you're just an injury away, Matt, from getting elevated to this 53 man roster. So I thought Mims deserved a little bit of a shout out tonight too, for his play. You know, one of the things that I, I think it was at one of our shows and I can't remember if it was on air uh, at wing nuts, uh, if it was on air or off to the side, but I had a conversation with a passionate bills fan. It was a couple older gentlemen. And one of them was Adamant, and this might have been in like April. So this he's way ahead of the curve. Adamant, Khalil Shakir is going to get cut. 
Um, he was not on the Khalil Shakir train. I, I kind of at the time was taken aback by it because I hadn't really heard that kind of passion or conviction about a potential Khalil Shakir cut. I think we're closer to that than we've ever been, at least it being in consideration. Now, I think it would take a couple of things, right? Like the bills to really go low number wise at receiver, maybe something crazy, like only keeping five or something like that. And, it, and, and shorter, maybe being the fifth, if they go six, I, I just think that Isabella to me is a guy that he's only been here for a short amount of time. You would have invested not only a draft pick, but time on task, developing Shakir that even if it's close, I, I almost feel like it would have to be Isabella by a mile to consider it. Um, but I think we are closer to ever to maybe starting to consider this thing a little bit more in terms of what do the Bills think about Shakir? He had one target tonight, no catches. Where's the concern meter for you with Shakir when it comes to, you know, not only making this roster, but his place within the organization here, like, like looking outward? Yeah, I, I still like him to make this roster, Matt, but it, I, I think it's fair to have a, a high level of concern in terms of you're not seeing a second-year leap that maybe you were anticipating. When the Bills drafted him in the, in the on day three of the draft last year in the fifth round, there was a lot of hype around him in terms of the player he could be and become. And by the end of last season, he was getting a lot of reps on the field, Matt. He was, he was on there for 25% of the snaps or more in the final four uh, regular season games. He was developing as a blocker. He made some big catches in the playoffs against the Dolphins and the Bengals. So, you know, he kind of ended the season on a high note, and you were thinking, okay, maybe he's going to come in and really establish himself as that wide receiver three option. The Bills make some moves in free agency uh, in the draft. And, and now you're kind of looking at the pecking order here. And, you know, obviously Trent Sherfield, I have well in front of him based on the, the summers both players have had. Uh, they bring in a Deontay Hardy to utilize his speed as a receiver. I have him ahead of Shakir too. So at best he's, you know, wide receiver five on this team. Um, but you could make the case that in terms of upside, there might be more upside there is shorter. He doesn't have the type of speed that Isabella has. I would be stunned if he didn't make this roster as uh, someone had predicted, like you said, at our wingnut show back in April. Uh, but it's also fair to say that he has not necessarily met the expectations that many were anticipating for him this summer. Um. Another position that I want to talk about before we get out of here is the cornerback spot. And, you know, Tredavious White played uh, well into the second quarter. Uh, they ran through a couple of different options. Uh, Christian Benford, to me, of the three, uh, Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam made the biggest play of the day at cornerback with the pass breakup down the left sideline there. I thought it was great. Very sticky coverage to be able to compete. Uh, got a little handsy on one uh, a little bit earlier. And listen, for as much as Kyer Elam gets uh, the, the, that that label as somebody that plays super handsy, I, I feel like that's been Christian Benford as well uh, throughout the, the course of, of not only the summer, but going back to the spring. Um, listen, we know what Dane Jackson is. Uh, and I think that's why he probably played the fewest snaps. And, you know, Kyrie Elam, I think I saw him out there as late as it like into the fourth quarter there. And Sean McDermott said it just came down to wanting to get a look at him. If you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said, man, I think Kyrie Elam is on his way to CB2. I think we're probably going to land at Dane Jackson, which I think brings up another point that we have to talk about is that 
after all of this to to move up and draft a corner to go get a guy that you know has the attributes that you're looking for at the position you're going to just end up going with Levi Wallace 2.0 uh in Dane Jackson it's I I don't know where I land on it because I think in their scheme potentially like maybe Dane Jackson is the is the best option but I just don't see how they they can't utilize that skill set or put him in a better position to 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 see him succeed but at the same time there was a play tonight where I thought that he was up on the line of scrimmage. He was playing some press. He got beat quickly at the, at, you know, after the first move. Didn't really get hands on the guy. Uh, ends up making a, a catch for I think it was about ten yards. So this competition I feel like is still kind of playing itself out. But I have Dane Jackson ahead of both of the younger guys. Yeah, I have Dane Jackson winning the starting job as well now. And you know, I'm I'm almost at that sharpie level. I was. I said that if Elam or Benford did something tonight to really stand out, maybe they could change my mind. You mentioned Benford had the one play down the sideline, pretty solid play. But, you know, Dane Jackson, I thought he played a physical style of football tonight. He had one really nice hit on Allen Robinson early in the game. Robinson did hold on to the ball, uh, but he was right there. He, he was showing that physicality. He's in the right spot. He doesn't get beaten for the big plays. He's exactly what Sean McDermott likes in terms of that CB2 type of spot. Now, Benford, his his ability to play zone, uh, his ability to break up passes like he did tonight, I could see him taking the job over at some point tonight. But that leaves Kyrie Elam. And, you know, I, I almost wonder if the Bills, I'm not saying they're done with Kyrie Elam. They're going to move on from Kyrie Elam or anything like that. But I, I think they're going to close the door on him being a potential CB2 at least early in the year pretty soon. Because once again, he gets into this game. You mentioned the play gets beaten off the line uh, for, you know, a good gain. He, he draws another penalty tonight right before halftime in the end zone. Easy one to call where he has the tight end wrapped up in his arms. Um, just penalties that he's showing time and time again that if he can't be trusted on the field not to draw flags, and listen, the Bills drew plenty of flags tonight, the second straight week he has done it, I don't see the Bills saying we need to get this guy out there for significant reps. Injuries happen, opportunities arise every year, and maybe in season that will happen to him, and he'll rise to the occasion because he made some nice plays last year when his number was called upon, but Right now, he has not done nearly enough, in my opinion, to kind of move up that depth chart at CB2. And that's a little bit concerning because you mentioned it. Dane Jackson, it seemed like that job was kind of uh, ripe for the picking or for the taking. And and they just can't unseat him for whatever reason. Um, Speaking of uh, unseating or seating somebody, if you want a seat at Six Flags Darien Lake uh, for one of their awesome – roller coasters right like you know the viper the predator i think they still have the predator i'm not sure you can go over to tops and get yourself the exclusive six flags darien lake evening passes uh they're available for purchase at any tops checkout uh today for 29.99 plus tax evening passes are valid for park admission after 5 p.m only and don't miss the laser light summer fest presented by tops plus you could save time and skip the line with your tops bonus plus card this goes through uh, September 3rd, so you better act fast. All right, Ryan, that's going to wrap things up here from uh, Acrisure Stadium uh, where the Bills lose uh, their second preseason game. Uh, or no, did they win last week? I think they won last week. I can't keep it all <laughs> they, they beat the Colts, yep. 
Yeah, so they beat the Colts. They lose to the Steelers. We'll go to um, we'll go to comments are uh, spicy place at, at near midnight. Uh, I'm going to sign off from here and then I'm going to drive back to my hotel, go to sleep. And then tomorrow I'm going to cry all the way back to Buffalo as I turn uh, one year older. All right. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We'll see you guys soon. We'll be back probably on Monday. So take care, everybody.